Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, wonderful, intelligent, very hardworking. <laughs> That's not true. Disneyland Paris loving wife and co-host Michelle. Oh, thank you, sweetie. And yes, I am a Disneyland Paris loving person. And Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. Hopefully you made it through April Fool's Day without yes. any too many tricks right? out there. I know that the social media, they're always trying to get you. And I never know what to believe on there. So I just choose not to believe at all right? until things are backed up. Good thinking. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Smart man. <laughs> not really. But I, I, I think I... I got relatively unscathed out of April Fool's Day. I hope you did as well. I sure did. Yes. So thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there... You'll be given an opportunity to join our newsletter subscriber group if you haven't done that already. And there's a little something extra... That we'll talk about today. Oh, there's always a little something extra that Michelle <laughs> likes to throw in just for the <laughs> newsletter subscribers. Uh, I'll be throwing in something extra that in regards to next week mm. as well that you will get the chance to uh, know about. Well, maybe not know about, but respond to possibly first as well through the newsletter. But it's just mostly another way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. Right. And we don't share that email address with anybody. Nope. Just to send you the newsletter. Nope. That's it. Just once a week. Usually, uh, just sending you the newsletter to catch up what's going on around here with us and with the show. Another great way to be involved with us is to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun with our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. It is such a great group. And I love how more and more I'm seeing them share with us like the their favorite thing of the week and that's always awesome and we can celebrate together yeah and then they, to this week i know and we'll mention them in just a little bit here mm -hmm. they weren't necessarily purely disney things right. that were mentioned and that's what we're fine with we just want to kind of share in our life's adventure together in a good positive way on that facebook group that's right yeah uh, another uh way you can find us is on youtube if you want to check us out there just do a quick search for hyperion adventures podcast hit subscribe and you'll know whenever we have a new video and if you ever want to contact contact us for any reason this week you may want to contact us for a reason i'll let you know why please hit us up at our gmail account Podcast at gmail.com that's right and if there's ever a question about any of our episodes i don't know if some some might come up from this week's episode it's kind of a unique <laughs> topic but anyways feel free to, to send us a, an email with any questions or if there's something you want us to discuss yeah or if you just want to say hi that's true. Uh, say you listen to the show, you enjoy the show, that's fine as well. Speaking of that, if you do enjoy the show and you want to support this show, maybe get some good swag out of it, mm -hmm. there's a couple ways you can do that. One is through our Spreadshirt shop where we have all sorts of different items, including, yes, of course, shirts, but coffee, mugs, um, hats, 
all sorts of different things. Aprons. Yeah, all sorts of <laughs> pajamas. I know. All sorts of fun different stuff in our various different logos, various sizes, various colors. Uh, to find us there, just go to Spreadshirt.com and you can do a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast and all our items will come up. You can also go to our Linktree account, which is uh, it's involved with all of our social media accounts. If you go to our profile page, you can go there and find your way there. And um, everything you purchase there, one, again, you can you know wear this great swag around through the park or just at home, but also we get a portion of everything that you purchase from that shop. Yes, and we appreciate the support. Yes. Another great way people have supported us and we really appreciate it is through our Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go there, you can get some great swag as well there, including some other items. And uh, we will have some interesting shows, some things that we're going to be involving yes. you with, all our Patreon members coming up here in the near future. And if you want to reach out and kind of take part in that group. We have tiers starting as low as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.com slash Hyperion Adventures podcast. Yeah, we really appreciate our Patreons. Uh, It's not free to have a podcast and uh, I don't want to get into it a whole lot, but we just love that we have some supporters and thank you very much. Yeah, we appreciate all of you who have already uh, chipped in and become Patreon Mm -hmm. members of this show. Now, before we start into this week's activities, we kind of always like to look back at the week that was because even if you've had a tough week we usually can seem to find a little bit of a gem here and there some more than others in certain (laughs) weeks but there's always something out there so we like to look back and find out what is our favorite thing from the week that was and when we do this we always start with michelle one because she's awesome wonderful (laughs) all things great in the world she does the best list she has the best tips and you're about to hear about some of the great research Mm. she does but she almost always has the best favorite thing from the week that was so michelle what was your favorite thing from this week? Well, I think it was just the week in general. I had off. We did a staycation this time and it was just a blast being with you all week. Yeah, that was actually uh, one of my favorite things, probably the most favorite thing I had from this week as well. Just having time with you. We did some things around the house. Mm -hmm. Um, We had some plenty of time in the afternoon to have some snacks and a couple cocktails. Our own little happy hours. Enjoyed watching (laughs) some TV. Just had a good old time this week. And uh, that was really nice to have some good quality time with you. Yeah, thank you, baby. So uh, a couple other things that I had from this week that I, I wanted to point now and one was um really uh, congratulations to everybody that took place in the springtime surprise run disney mm-hmm. races this weekend saw lots of pictures lots of great costumes everybody looked fantastic i think my favorite costume was the guy who dressed up as the fake cheese that yes. comes in the snack pack <laughs> the run disney snack pack uh, that was a winner so to me. creative yeah i love that so much but especially wanted to give a shout out to our friends pat and charles from the conversations podcast mm-hmm. check out their show it's a great show uh, but Pat raced in the Everest 5K that Lucky. happened on the night of the 31st <laughs> with his daughter, and they looked adorable and yes. looked like they had a fantastic time. Uh, but Charles also raced with his wife, Bernadette, in the Race for the Taste 10K. That was his first, their first run Disney race, and I believe the first time they've ever run a race of that distance. They completed it. They right. looked great, um, and I wanted to congratulate them. My favorite thing from this week was seeing them in their pictures um, completing that race, even though we were supposed to be running with right. them, but we couldn't make it, but um, just so happy for them. Yeah, totally, and just really proud of um, both families, you know, getting out there and participating in a run Disney event, um, and Rock on to Bernadette. <laughs> Going to Star Trek. 
Makes total sense. Girl after my heart. Total sense. <laughs> She's the best. Yeah. Uh, we're just so happy for them to, to get through that race. And it looked like they had a good time, even though it was, I guess the, the, the 10K was a little bit uh, misty and yes. wet, but in human, obviously. But uh, it really looked impressive. The pictures looked great. Um, Charles dressed up as uh, Captain Rex from right. the, uh, the Clone Wars His and Rebels. His costume was awesome, was great. too. Yeah. Um, it, it was just a good time had by all, and uh, we can't wait to run a race with you in the future uh, sometime out there at Walt Disney World. Most definitely. For sure. So we did have some uh, favorite things from the week that was from some of our listeners as well. Mm-hmm. Start with uh, Sue in the UK who said this, my favorite thing this week is today. It's my birthday today, and I'm 60 years old. After spending the last two birthdays in lockdown, this one is special. I thought you might like to see a couple of pictures of the wonderful day, including my amazing Disney birthday cake. It was beautiful. Go check out that cake. Go to the Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group and go check out Sue's cake. It was phenomenal. So happy birthday, Sue. That's awesome. We wish we could have been there enjoying the cake with you and in celebrating your birthday, obviously. Of course. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that with us. That was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, We also got hit up by Scott in Minnesota who said, my favorite thing from this week is the official start of golf season here in Minnesota. (laughs) Okay. April 1st. That's not to say I haven't gotten in a few practice rounds already. Hey, as soon as the snow is gone, it's time to team up. Who cares if it's 35 degrees? I do. I care. I care. That's what they make mittens for, right? <laughs> okay, Scott, I'm, totally. I'm really happy for you. Love and it. I love playing golf too. So um, that that's great. And I know Scott's a, a big golf player. Right. So that's that's fantastic. Right. Um, Maybe after some time uh, do a Disney World golf yes, thing. Yes, that would be a lot of fun, actually. I would Get love to together. do that. I've always wanted to play out there at the uh, Disney golf yeah. courses. Never have, uh, but I've always wanted to do it. Maybe uh, maybe sometime with Scott, that would be awesome. So so uh, if you have a favorite thing from the week, uh, any week, um, please send it to us through the Gmail account, through social media, and mm-hmm. just like we did now today, we will share them on an upcoming yes, show. Yes, let's all celebrate together. Yeah, so let's get to this week. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including a nearly 50-year-old guest favorite show, Get Set to Make Its Return. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you all about that. We now know the dates of the Epcot Favorite Festival focused on yummy food and tasty yeah. beverages. We'll go through that. And get ready to get up and close and personal with again with some of your favorite mm-hmm. Disney characters. We'll tell you about that as well. But enough about all that. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to our main topic of the week. Yeah, so for this week's main topic, we are quickly approaching on the actual anniversary right. date for Disneyland Paris, originally Euro Disney. Mm-hmm. And so Michelle had this great idea. Let's take a look back at what makes Disneyland Paris so special, some of the history, what's going on with it today for the celebration. I'm really excited to hear about this because you know Michelle does such great research. <laughs> and I know every time she does one of these, I learn something new. So Michelle, tell us a little bit about Disneyland Paris, 30 years of Euro Disney magic. All right. Well, you know, um, I I had a very unique opportunity to do the research this time um, as 
my hubby knows, and, and a lot of you know, I'm kind of an avid collector of things Disney. And I kept magazines that my family had received even back in the 90s when Euro Disney was first uh, about to open. So I had some unique a- access to some historical data, kind of like firsthand from the company in print, which was a unique way to find information. Yeah. If you look at our title card for this episode, some of the pictures that are included in it are out of the, the magazines. I took some, yeah. snapped some pictures from the actual magazine insert in there and and put them into, because there's some cool historical uh, Euro Disney pictures there. Right. Yeah. Thanks. And so, you know, um, I mean, obviously I also looked online for some things, but it it was a unique park when it from its opening, um, and we're kind of going to go through a little of that and some of the you know kind of the bumpy roads that it had to face. Um, not to say that it's not a wonderful uh, place to visit. We've gone a couple times and can't wait to go again. And you know maybe share a little bit about that uh, in our presentation. But I do want to take this opportunity to um, I guess share again. Uh, a sound bit that when we interviewed Lee Cockrell, who was um, in charge of, you know, kind of this rollout of Di- Euro Disneyland, uh, when we had interviewed him, uh, the first time we interviewed him, I believe it was, he actually shared some of his personal experience with opening that park. So I think that would be a great way to, to start the segment. Oh, the hard part was well, they didn't know about Disney like we do here. So we were hiring hundreds of people. I had to hire 200 managers, and uh, and uh, hopefully they spoke some French, and a lot of them had American wives, and we had to get them moved there. And uh, we had to do everything in five languages, the menus, check-in, check-out. Uh, it, it was uh, – and I, I would say the uh, American workforce, uh, they probably worked – much to a fault and the french enjoy their time off so uh we had a lot of issues and uh but it was they were great people eventually when you got them all in but we hired people from ireland uk germany spain france you know so it for me it was just people from you know every culture is a little different and getting all of them to work together and uh start something up new nobody's ever done it before so it was a massive training issue. So, you know, that that just kind of introduces a little bit of some of the things that, you know, the company faced as they were opening up this new park. But before we get into some of the details of that, I wanted to also address kind of, I don't know if it's the elephant in the room, but, you know, as the poet said, a rose by any name, any other name is still a rose. And the name of this resort has changed over time. So uh, as we mentioned, when it first opened in 1992, it was referred to as Euro Disney. Um, And then it was just two years later, uh, in 1994, that the name officially changed to Disneyland Paris. But that's not where it stopped. Uh, In 2002, uh, when they added the Walt Disney Studios Park, the name changed again to Disneyland Resort Paris. Um, But Finally, on May 2nd, 2009, the name was changed back to Disneyland Paris, which is what it holds today. Yeah, I believe that if you go there, they, like the Disneyland portion of it is called like Park Disneyland, P-A-R-C, right. Disneyland. And then there's the Walt Disney Studios, which are the other portion of it. Kind of, it's laid out a little bit like 
it, like Disneyland in California, right. in that the parks are very close to one another. Mm-hmm. That you can actually, if you have a park hopper option on your pass, right. you can walk easily oh. between the two parks. Right, exactly. So, good point. So, you know, kind of the reason why they actually even decided to do this park was they had really tremendous success at Tokyo Disneyland. Um, And really what Tokyo Disneyland wanted was just replicate what the Disney company already had and put it in our country. And it flourished and it was actually relatively smooth transition. Um, uh, so that's what made them start deciding, hey, let, let's expand and where else should we go is Europe. And, um, you know, without going into a lot of details, they ended up uh, deciding on this 5,000 acre farmland that was about 20 miles east of Paris. So the uh, park opening was actually a very ambitious beginning, how they, you know, approached it. It was not like what Walt did with Disneyland. I mean, not that he didn't do it ambitious. His was ambitious because it had never been done before. Um, But this one was ambitious because they were trying to make sure that they had um, something grand enough to fit in France. Phase one, which they called it on opening, had 29 attractions, 37 shops, 29 food locations, six hotels, a campground, an entertainment center with shops, restaurants, and a Wild West dinner show, as well as a golf course. Mm. So a lot of things going there. Sure. They, they were, at the time, utilizing the latest technology in attractions. And one example that I found really interesting reading about was um, in their castle, you can actually go underneath, and there is a 79-foot dragon. 79-foot-long dragon. That's pretty large. Yeah. <laughs> and when they opened the park at that time, that dragon was the largest audio animatronic figure in the world. Wow. That's pretty cool. I know, right? So when the park was first completed, uh, it was considered by many in the industry to be actually the most beautiful of all the Disney parks that were around. So in fact, Bob Fitzpatrick, who was the president of your Disney at the time, said, this is the most wonderful park we have ever created. Every detail is designed to tell a story. And speaking of storytelling, I don't know if you've heard of this guy. His name was Marty Sklar. Heard a little bit about him. Yeah, wonderful guy. Anyways, what he said is, we knew that language would be a problem. So we made everything with as clear storylines as possible. You don't need language to communicate the stories. Hmm. So, I mean, we've always said that, you know, Disney parks... The whole thing, you know, Walt took the ideas of the movie sets and and just kind of used those same techniques in telling stories in the park. And and that's what their goal was here. And um, details galore. And we could do many episodes on all the details of uh, the Disney parks, especially Disneyland Paris. But I do want to share a few that you know, seemed kind of interesting, kind of cute. So the first one um, is related to one of their restaurants on Main Street uh, called Waltz, an American restaurant. 
Um, it's currently closed, but about to reopen on the actual uh, 30th anniversary in April in this month. Um, but so, so some of the cute details that they included there is they have, you know, how like restaurants will say established and it'll give a date. So this one says established Chicago 1901, which reflects the year in, in the place of Walt's birth. Um, the other cute little thing they have is an address of 1401 Flower Street. So, honey, do you remember what that is the address for? Was that uh, Walt's original home? No, but you're on the right track. Um, it's actually the address of Walt Disney Imagineering in Glendale, California. Oh, okay. But 1401 does come to play in another part of Disney Parks. Can you remember that? No. Yeah. Whenever you do trivia, I mean, I'm, I, that's why I learn new things all the time is because I don't know stuff. Okay, you're going to kick you, you. You know this one. 1401? That's us. <laughs> 1401? <laughs> so, yes, from Star Tours. We need Pat and Charles here to do a good C3. Oh, I know. Us. Totally. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're just embarrassing ourselves trying. Yeah. <laughs> 1401? We just need sound bites from them to just put into our podcast yes. every once in a while. So, guys, we'll Charles be in soundboard, touch. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, the other interesting details that they had at this restaurant is that the menu was actually a photo album detailing Walt's life. You know, from the, his childhood in Missouri throughout the construction of Disneyland. So, um, really cute examples of storytelling of the history of the original, you know, um, designer of the parks. Um, the other thing that was interesting is Peter Pan's flight. Um, they not only pay homage to, you know, the, the classic animation Disney film, but they also include references to Sir James Matthew Barry, who was the author of the original novel. And in fact, um, you know, one such example is in the queue uh, there's a, the name of his hometown in Scotland written on one of the gates. So mm. really cute examples of, of detail. Um, some other ones is, um, it's a small world. Now you would think, okay, they had opened It's a Small World at Disneyland, at Walt Disney World, at Tokyo Disneyland. So why not just replicate all that? But no. Disneyland Paris costuming department actually did some real in-depth research. Um, the team, you know, looked at books, magazines, uh, researched uh, folk costumes, visited museums and festivals, you know, all related to world culture to make sure that their designs really reflected, you know, and paid homage to those different countries around the world. Well, I mean, it, it makes a, it makes sense. Not that, you know, people don't travel to Disneyland or Walt Disney World mm -hmm. from all around the world, but and this was come up, I was thinking about this earlier when you were mentioning how they had to be able to tell stories within the park, you mm -hmm. know, based on without necessarily having one specific language involved um, because of the fact that when you're in a place like, you know, Paris, uh, all these different countries are within just a couple hours train True. or flight away or even drive mm -hmm. away from this park. So you've got English speakers, you've got French speakers, of course, right. um, German, Italian, all sorts of different languages right. just within a really True. small area that could be visiting this park. Uh, not to mention, you know, they, they could be coming from Asia somewhere or right. whatever. So they kind of have to be prepared for this. And that same goes for 
all the different children of it's a small world and the fact True. that you know there are so many different countries that are represented there that right. will be visiting that park within you know just a small distance That's away true. so you'd probably want them to be as accurate as possible very good point very good point and one last example of detail um and the reason i think i chose to share this one is you know we've told the story before of how walt really wanted to make uh, Sleeping Beauty Castle special and added the the gold leaf, even though his brother was really thinking that that wasn't necessary. Um, but Walt really felt that was important to the story. Uh, they also included gold on the top of their castle here. And but the interesting part of detail here is that there are small golden snails going towards the top of the castle you know, paying homage to, you know, the typical French uh, culinary tradition from Burgundy. So escargot. Escargot. Yes. It's something that you really probably can't see because it's pretty high up there. But again, it's really how the Imagineers wanted to make sure everything weaved through this, this special place, you know, really brought together history of not just the company, company but of the culture it was um you know surrounded by yeah and i think sleeping beauty cat it, it's it'd be it'd be tough for me i mean i love cinderella castle mm-hmm. at walt disney world at magic kingdom um you know the first original sleeping beauty castle at disneyland it's tiny but it's it's special and right. it's beautiful in its own way but it's hard to match up with Sleeping Beauty Castle at Disneyland Paris. That thing is stunning. And the mm-hmm. way they've done the landscape around it and everything, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous castle. And yeah. if you ever get the chance to go there, I mean, you're going to want to snap so many pictures at that beautiful castle. So true. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, I mean, the castles in other parts of the world were, um, you know, at that time, especially were inspired by European castles. So this one, they knew they had to really do something spectacular, and and they they hit the mark. Yeah, I think so. I, I again, I would you know, I love Cinderella mm-hmm. Castle and Magic Kingdom, um, but I, I, that may be my favorite castle right. that we've ever seen in person. Now we haven't seen the Asian parks right. yet. Um, I don't know what we would feel when we saw those in person, um, but uh, Sleeping Beauty Castle at Disneyland Paris is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah. It really is. Okay, so as you heard at the beginning, you know, with Lee, um, it wasn't all easygoing. Um, some things were financial uh, issues and some were growing pains. And so just kind of, I think, appreciating what they had to overcome can really help you appreciate what they are celebrating now at their 30th anniversary. So thought it'd be good to kind of touch on some of these things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Euro Disney, and we all know that at the beginning, it was kind of a joke almost, you know, right. it was laughter like, you know, the, the failure that Euro Disney was. Right. And, um, it's amazing to see the turnaround it's made. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the company was actually, you know, still early in the phase of learning how to create this special place in a new environment. Um, and some of the things that worked at Tokyo Disneyland weren't going to work in Euro Disney. So, um, you know, in, when I was looking at those early magazine articles, you know, one of the things that I thought really captured a great concept is that they said they weren't trying to take American culture to France. They were taking Disney culture to Europe. Mm. You know, and, and that's what they were trying to do. And 
and with a lot of things until people can really get to see the whole, all the stories, you know, that were being told in the park, et cetera. You know, people have some of these issues of what they think it is and, or, and what it may be, and it may not be quite that. Um, the other thing, and, and Lee touched on it as well, is that most of the cast members that they had to hire um, had never been to a Disney park. So they didn't have that point of reference to say, okay, I know what I'm supposed to look like and how I am supposed to, you know, um, reference people as cast members and just, you know, the whole culture, Disney culture. They, they, they didn't have that to draw from. And, you know, in training all these people, they, they did bring some people over to the U.S., to train, but they couldn't bring everybody. So the, again, they were trying to replicate in a classroom setting what it was going to be like on stage, as they call it. And that's not necessarily easily transferable. Yeah, especially like we were just mentioning about all the different languages that could from people right. that could come in there and how that could be a, an issue as well. The different cultures that are you know just within a small distance there within Europe itself. Right. It, there, there were a lot of different um, things that were thrown at them. Not to mention that there was uh, it was there were some economic issues that were going on right. at the same exact time as they're trying to open this park and make it flourish. That kind of was. You know, a lot of things, a lot of hills for them to overcome, a lot of obstacles for them to overcome. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, you. so I think this is a good segue where you're talking about some of those financial um, challenges that they had. So um, at first, things seemed really great when they, they opened, you know, but, uh, you know, in fact, they, they were, I saw in one of the articles that their goal was to get 11 million visitors during the first year, and, and they did succeed at that. Um, but because of some economic conditions that were going on in the times, you know, just from the, you know, the communities in Europe, et cetera, plus that the country now, the company now had to pay huge interest payments on the debt that they, they incurred from the construction, um, they were losing quite a bit of money on their first year. And keep in mind that the Disney company was not the, the owner. They were part owners of this but not the full owners. So that also played into, you know, their ability to make some decisions on things because they, they weren't the majority holder at the time. More consultants than anything else, right, you know, right. just adding their name to it and trying to help them show what a Disney right was. But when the when it was all said and done, when a vote came down, right. they didn't have the voting power. Right, right. exactly. So uh, in 1994, as part of a financial reorganization, um, the Euro Disney Company actually uh, w sold shares, 10% stake in the Euro Disney Company to Prince Al-Walid from Saudi Arabia. And that helped infuse some money into the company. And uh, they actually did show a profit by 1995. So that was, you know, some, some movements some in the growth, good direction. Yes, right. Yeah. But then again, in 2012, um, they, ha they decided to consolidate debt from a number of the banks uh, into a loan that they actually got from the Disney company. So now we're starting to see that the Disney company is becoming more involved in the financial solvency, you know, of, of this park. Um, and then a couple years later in 2014, 
through another rescue package, um, they pledged at least 1 billion euros in over 10 years to add attractions and, you know, spruce up the grounds. And I think, you know, we kind of had gone there before that time and, and we had some noticeable impressions about the park compared to some of the other Disney parks. Yeah, I mean, it felt there was very much Disney within it in the fact that, you know, it had the attractions Mm -hmm. you would mostly expect, the characters you would mostly expect. But there was this feeling like, you know, with the cast members and some other things that happened, some of the uh, hotels even, you know, that you just, it was Disney, but it didn't quite feel Disney like when you went to the parks. And, uh, you know, we were really happy to see when Disney uh, decided to kind of take the reins back over and mm-hmm. infuse this money into it and say, look, we're going to take charge of this right. and and make it be Disney again. And we're very excited to go back and, and check out the differences for sure. Right. So um, the following year in, in 2015, unfortunately, Paris ended up dealing with a very sad situation of the Paris terrorist attacks and you know businesses throughout France were having some challenges in relationship to you know travel and and people coming into the country etc so that that obviously impacted the bottom line as well so as you can see whether you call it Euro Disney or as it transformed into Disneyland Paris there were things all along their 30-year history so far that really challenged them to like I said, become what they became, are becoming now. And like you alluded to, in 2017, the Disney company made a decision to buy out the other investors and become the sole owner of Disneyland Paris and really have that ability to control and know how to, you know, um, infuse the Disney culture completely into into the park. Plus, uh, you know, all the money there, they are now agreed to put into it. They, they can build all these new areas. And, and you know, because when we were there, uh, look, we, the, the actually park Disneyland, um, I enjoyed very much. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful park. Lots of great stuff there. Could it have been improved? Sure. But if we did enjoy that. The Walt Disney Studios Park needed a lot of love. It, right. You know, it, it kind of reminded me of what, I don't even know if it was as good as Disney California Adventure Park was was when it when began. It opened, yeah. yeah, it might not even been as good as that. It mm-hmm. was okay. It was a visit. It was interesting. I'm glad we went there, but it needed a lot to right. make it into a park that you'd say, "Yeah, I want to go. I definitely want to make that a part of my vacation itinerary right. to go back into that park." And now the stuff that they're including in it that's going to be opening up over the next few years um, really excites me very much. Yeah, you know. Um, in one of the articles in the magazines, one of the magazines I read, it had their um, 25-year projection of what they wanted to do. And actually, they had planned from the very be- before opening, they had planned to open that second park eventually. Um, they were thinking they were going to do it within two or three years of the initial opening. And they were going to call it um, Disney MGM. Mm-hmm. Like the one in Orlando was at the time. But that didn't actually happen you know, for quite a long time later. And and as we saw with some of the financial things, that was kind of the why. It's like when you're already struggling with cash, um, like we, you know, with any of us with our budgets, right? You Then you have to prioritize. And so, you know, they, but they realized they needed to expand and wanted to have that second park. So they did open the, the Walt Disney Studios. But like you said, um, it just didn't have the pizzazz. It didn't have... Um, you know, some of the things that, that make the parks great. 
Uh, some of that had to do with the lack of finances. And some of it, you know, I think like what we saw, like you mentioned, Disney California Adventure Park when it first opened, same kind of thing, right? That it, it was like, we got to open the second park at, in California. Um, what can we put together? And, and we've talked about how the Imagineers were like, okay, we weren't given full, you know, as much budget as we normally do. And so we put, we pieced together things, but it, it just wasn't, you know, as grand or as great at storytelling. Yeah. And that was what our feeling was when we went there. You could tell it just lacked. It seemed like it was, it was put together hastily. Right. Uh, and it just wasn't quite there yet. Right. But, um, Things are changing, which oh, yeah. I'm sure you'll be getting to here in a moment. Right, yeah. exactly. You know, kind of like where did they land now, you know? And so it, it Disneyland Paris has actually become Europe's top tourist destination. Um, the park has continued to develop uh, of having these immersive experiences uh, using now characters from not only Disney, but Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars franchises. Um, and that we see that with all the all the parks that really you know like they say breathes new life into it having you know this expanded universe of, of characters to be able to uh, incorporate into the storytelling um and in fact in tw 2018 right after they you know decided to become sole owners they announced plans for a two billion euro multi-year expansion um that would include uh, obviously, transformation of the Walt Disney Studio Parks, as we were talking about, and adding three new areas based on Marvel, Frozen, honey. I know. I know. And Star Wars. Why do you think I'm excited to go back? <laughs> and uh, the expansion. All three of those I things. Know, like, right? That's three of my favorite franchises right there. <laughs> Maybe not in that order, but right. oh, we won't go into that detail. But anyways, um, the expansion also in, in that park will include a lake. That will be the focal point and for new and enchanting entertainment experiences, they say. And we've seen what they can do with, with entertainment on water at the parks. And so we're really excited about that. Yeah, I'm just excited for the whole thing. I'm looking forward to getting back. We Look, if we were going back to France, even most of Europe, mm -hmm. there's a good chance that we would make some sort of stop at Disneyland Paris right. anyway, whether they were adding all this stuff or not. Right. But the fact that they're adding it, it just builds the excitement that much more. Right. You know, and just the fact that they, you know, were doing improvements on what already existed. And, you know, as we mentioned that uh, earlier on, that when it opened, they were using the highest technology that was available at that time. That was not kept up. And so now they're, you know, kind of having to go back and, you know, reinfuse some money to upgrade to better technologies now. And um, I was reading online an interview with somebody at Disney, and I was surprised I hadn't heard this story before, but um, the Ratatouille ride, which we enjoyed. Mm -hmm. We've only been on the one in Paris. Yeah, so. we haven't been in Epcot yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Soon, hopefully. But right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we were we were at the studio. That was one of the Saving Graces of the studio. Right. The Ratatouille ride. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, that actually, they've had to redo the flooring because they have found that how the, the you know, because it's a trackless system and, and how when it runs over the, the flooring that they had originally put in, it was um, starting to have some issues with connections and then the ride would not work. Um, the other interesting thing I, I ran across was that um, Big Thunder Mountain, 
they wanted to upgrade some things. So they did get, you know, some upgraded trains that actually went faster. Oh, wow. But the problem was not all the trains. So it was good when they were only using those trains, then it was everything was great. But when they had to bring in some of the other trains, then the timing would go off and <laughs> it would for safety reasons, it would notice that there's things that are off timing uh-huh. from when they were supposed to go past certain checkpoints in the ride. And so then the ride would kind of break down to get things yeah. Caught that up had to be, be tough on some of the cast members there trying oh, to yeah. you know, get, get them loaded off and right. get them sent off and the right timing and everything. That right. had to be a bit tricky, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So interesting things. So um, I did want to share a couple fun facts. Um, I love Michelle's fun facts. <laughs> I, and I don't have a ton more to add. I think I've tried to infuse some there, but a couple here. And one, I think it's one of those when I read it, it's like, obviously, but it's just, it was really endearing is, you know, the tradition of having um, that actually Walt started at Disneyland of having names on the windows in, in the park, especially on Main Street um, of people who, you know, inspired or worked on things. Well, that can, that, that tradition uh, continued at Euro Disney when they opened. And one of the windows had the inscription, Two Brothers, Inc. I'm going to try to say this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Walter E. Disney and Roy O. Disney, dreamers and doers, with a quote, if we can dream it, we can do it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I know, right? Yeah. Very cool, very cool. Um Another fun fact is uh, when your Disney first opened, there was a specialty shop called Main Street Motors and you could actually purchase an antique car. (laughs) (laughs) They had the average price of $100,000. Oh, wow. I know, right? Now, now you think that's... That's back then. (laughs) I know, I know. So you think that's wild. Um, Just had... had to throw this in because we've I've never had a place to put this in before, but I do want to give a shout out to our cousin Heidi who shared this story with me, uh, shared the article that of this story uh, at Disneyland in California when it opened. They had a unique store as well. It was called the Wonderful Wizard of Bras, <laughs> and. <laughs> They had, they sold bras on Main Street USA and they were the 50s, very pointy <laughs> kind of bras. So uh, I guess the tradition- Forget spirit jerseys. I, I got my Disney bra on. <laughs> Good. Right? But anyway, some, you know, unique shops uh, when, a, when, a, when a, one of these parks opens, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so, um, and I just want to give some shout outs about the highlights that they they are incorporating in their 30th anniversary and it's probably got to be also a challenge you got Walt Disney World with their 50th anniversary kind of uh, overshadowing this but I think they're doing an enormously great job and one of them and we've seen this on social media is their new show um, called Dream and Shine Brighter and that's uh, held at the Central Plaza in front of Sleeping Beauty Castle and it it celebrates three themes, the power of laugh, passion, and dreams. And this is a show that has um, more than 30 Disney characters and dancers with colorful floats and a very unique soundtrack. So great, Fun. great daytime show. Yeah. And then at night, they have uh, Disney D-Light, which is their new nighttime pre-show that 
combines video projections, illuminated water jets, uh, light lighting effects with the mist, which we love, and those iconic Disney songs. And then, you know, with the big drone choreographed with over the castle with the the, the big 30. Yeah, you've probably seen pictures of yeah. it. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think there's a picture of it in our title card there cool, as well. Cool, yeah. cool. But, um, you know, that's limited time. But that is really cool that they're using that amazing technology. And another highlight um, that is for summertime of this year is the opening of Avengers Campus. Mm-hmm. And we can't speak enough of how great we've experienced that here in California. We love that they're going to have it there. Some of the interactions of, you know, the concept of stories throughout um, the Avengers campus around the world. So very yeah. cool. Uh, we, I mentioned it again this week because it continuously happens and I'm sure it'll be very similar uh, there at uh, Disneyland Paris that uh, whenever Avengers, one of the things we love about Avengers campus is that it's a living, breathing thing. Like when there's, uh, a new show or a new Marvel movie or new characters or mm-hmm. characters have different outfits. They change. They make appearances immediately right. in those outfits, including the night that Moon Knight yes. <laughs> appeared on Disney+. Plus. Moon Knight himself right. appeared there at Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventures, uh, Adventure Park. And it, that's so exciting to yeah. me. That, you know, every time you go there, you may see something new and interesting. And I, I, I love, I mean... As far as being actually in um, Avengers Campus, you know, if if you just take it for what it is, it may not hit the mark with you. But when you see all the phenomenal mm-hmm. characters and all the interactions, uh, it makes it, it elevates it oh, so yeah. extremely over virtually every other portion of the park. And right. I just love that about it. Yeah, it's very, very special. Yeah. So cool. So, I mean, that's kind of an overview, you know, of like the history of Euro Disneyland. If you were get getting to go there, I mean, you will see, you know, some similarities that, that you would experience at any Disney park. So, like, they do have um, Main Street USA. They, they have the castle, which is kind of the draw down the road there. They have the hub. Um, they did have to flip um, Frontierland and Adventureland in the sequence of the hub from what we're accustomed to. And that's because um, they really wanted to bridge what was in Frontierland with um, Captain Hook on, on the ship, uh, bridging over to Peter Pan's flight in Fantasyland. So, um, you know, they, they utilize that storytelling there. But, you know, you would, you would have the essence of the same thing that you would experience in the, the other Disneylands or Magic Kingdom parks. Um, and then we talked about the studios, um, it has some similarities. They, they, they have the Aerosmith ride that is being converted to a, a Guardians of the Galaxy themed ride as well. And so, um, you know, it's like with any of the Disney parks that you go to, they're not going to be cookie cutters. And I think that's what we love about it is that you can have a different experience in a different location. Mm-hmm but still have that Disney magic. Right. Uh, the Tomorrowland portion is very Jules Verne inspired. Yes, and they um, actually call it Discoveryland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, 
if you look at it, it's like it's like the future through it's tomorrow through Jules Verne right. kind of. They even still have uh, the submarine there or a mock-up of the right. submarine the from uh, twenty thousand leagues under the sea that you can take a little walking tour through, right. it, which is really fun yes. uh, to do. But Space Mountain looks interesting. It has like a cannon launch right. yep. um, from it, uh, which is it's it, it is a cool looking area for sure. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, Anyways, so that's our look at Disneyland Paris and, you know, celebrating with them their 30th anniversary. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. that they're having this evolution and looking forward, like you said, to going again and uh, exploring and and really having a great time there. Yeah, our our first ever visit to uh, Disneyland Paris was for its 15th. We were there during its 15th anniversary or its candelbration, as we (laughs) um, got to know it by. Um, But that was a lot of fun as well. And yes, we've gone another time since then. Um, look forward to getting back there, especially with all the new um, additions they're making right. and um, how Disney Disney will be more infused within it uh, right. once we get back. But if you have the chance, if you get to Europe, um, make the detour, especially as a Disney fan. We probably don't have to tell you this as right. a Disney fan that you're going to want to do it, but we highly recommend it. It's easy to get to from the train. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in the UK, I mean, the trains from London right. go there straight to it. Right, they, right. Know, they have packages, to tickets and train packages yes. that you can work out uh, to go there for a day or two days or whatever. Paris is really easy, really straight train mm-hmm. there. Doesn't take very long at all. It's a They're fun from the train airports, ride. Super yeah, from fast. The, straight from the airports, really, really quick. Um, but from anywhere in Europe, I mean, it's really easy to get around in Europe. I wish we had the train system yes. that Europe has because <laughs> it's really easy to get around uh, through Europe. But uh, definitely um, put it on your list of stops if you're making a trip to Europe, if you if you haven't already. Right. I mean, and if you're ever concerned about the issue of language, uh, this is one of the international parks that I think they do such a splendid job of promoting both English and French. Um, obviously, as Lee mentioned, people I- that were hired need to be able to speak um, French and English, and, and some speak multiple languages in addition to that, but those are the core ones that, that, that they must speak. Um, but even just in the attractions, you really get both flavors. You're not missing out on any of the story. I, again, Marty gave that, that great in, information as to why, but, but really they, they do incorporate both languages very nicely. Right. And a lot of the shows, you'll go there and you'll get a leaflet saying the shows are in this language on uh, these times, the shows are in French this time, the mm-hmm. shows are in German these times, whatever. So you can kind of plot out your day if there are certain shows that you want to go to to check out. Right. You know, and then just some of the things like um, like with the parades, since they're not going to have multiple, multiple parades, they, they do a blend. So they'll have, you know, characters you know, singing in French and then singing some similar songs in English and and the same thing with some of the attractions um, that you'll get a blend so that you really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't find any issues. No, not at all. I had zero issue uh, being there. Um, English is spoken everywhere. Mm-hmm. Michelle uh, knows plenty of French. <laughs> I know a teeny tiny minuscule bit of French just enough to, to get into a shop and out of a shop uh, but Michelle is always there to help me out when I'm really struggling um, but it wasn't really necessary there right. as much uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it was really really easy but um, uh, it just it was it's a, a fun spot like I said I, I can't wait to go back and see mm-hmm. all the improvements they've made but we enjoyed it even as it was like right. I said it wasn't 
perfectly Disney when we went in, let's see, we went in 2008 and was it 2016? I think the I second think so, time yeah. we went. Um, it wasn't fully Disney, but it still had that. That, that magic there that you love and now it's only going to be right know, even more so in the future i mean this the interesting thing when we went in 2016 there were a lot of things um that w- there was at least five attractions major attractions that were closed for renovations that i think would have made it feel much more disney to us you know um star tours was going through its renovation i think big thunder was going space mountain there was a couple of others that were like okay a lot of the things that i think we would have said and experienced at that time had they been opened would have felt more like Disney. Yeah, I think, you know, the funny thing about it is we were there in 2008, which was for their 15th mm-hmm. celebration year. Uh, I think when we were there in 2016, they were getting set for 25. Right. So that's why they had a lot of their attractions. Right. They were getting them refurbished and ready for the big 25th anniversary. Right, right. You know, so we, we, we were affected by anniversaries yeah. both times we went there I in different know. ways. But we still had a great time uh, both times. And again, very excited for the improvements, the changes they're making and all that's to come um, for what is already a great, great, great couple parks. Right, exactly. So anything else you want to add? No, that's it. That was great. Um, Michelle always does the best research. (laughs) Um, Her segments always some of the best episodes that we have on this show for sure. Well, thank you. I hope people liked it. Yeah, And we'd love to know what your thoughts are. If you've been to Disneyland Paris, are you looking forward to going to Disneyland Paris? Uh, Let us know and we'll share them on an upcoming show. Yeah, I mean, and there's so much more that we could have talked about. I didn't talk anything about the hotels there, but there's so many stories behind the hotel. Um, and just different things in the area as well. Yeah, so. yeah, but very nice. So that is our look at Disneyland Paris, 30 years of Euro Disney magic. Great job again, Michelle. Oh, Always you. do such a fantastic <laughs> job with these studies into uh, the history of some of these parks or attractions or whatever it may be. Um, always appreciate your work. Oh, and again, you. always learn something new. Oh, appreciate that. Just don't hit me up with more trivia. I'm, I'm sorry. so bad I, at trivia. I know. <laughs> you also have a really great memory, so I was a little surprised, the 1401. The 1401? But, but it was taking out of context. Yeah. You're thinking Disneyland Paris. And yeah, I, I, whatever. My brain is <laughs> all over the place. Uh, before we get to our Disney stories of the week, we finally have hit it. We have to get to our championship match for our Hyperion Adventures podcast Disney songs matchup. <laughs> The final bracket of the tournament, the final matchup of the tournament. We have two songs left to make it. One that is a live action film, Mm -hmm. one that is from an animated film. So the matchup is the two seed Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins versus Mm -hmm. a three seed Be Our Guest from the animated, of course, Beauty and the Beast. Michelle, I believe you had one of those songs in your bracket. I didn't have... No, I had Be Our Guest. Did I have Be Our Guest? 
I can't even remember. I think <laughs> I had Be Our Guest in there. Uh, no, I actually, I, I think I didn't. I don't think I had any of the songs there. I, yeah. I, I could go look, but I don't. it doesn't matter. I've already been eliminated. <laughs> Michelle, which one of those songs did you have in your bracket? Um, the One of those songs that I had is Feed the Birds, and I actually selected that one as the winner. And the winner of the Hyperion Adventures podcast, Disney Songs Madness Tournament is Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins. Michelle got it correct. I was way off of that. I had let it go, of course. You know me. Hashtag Real Men Love Frozen. I was way off. So that is the winner. Wow, of, very That is cool. the song that outlasted everybody else in the bracket this year. And we do have a winner of the tournament. Does that mean I win? You did not oh. win. <laughs> you did well. You beat me. That shouldn't come as a surprise. That's becoming much more often recently that she's beating me in a lot of things. She beat me, but she did not have the best bracket. Even though you, even if you had, you wouldn't be allowed I to win. I know. I'm but playing. Yeah. we do have a winner of our tournament challenge and our prize pack that we've been telling you nice. we're going to give away. And with a whopping 174 points, wow. like he got most of them right. Ryan A. Wow. Ryan, congratulations. Yay, Ryan. Way to go. Um, we will be contacting you to get your address so we can send you this prize pack. And good job to Very everybody. Cool. Thank you, everybody yes. who took part. This was chosen by you. We did not just randomly decide who win a song. As you can tell by Let It Go, not me in there. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't me. Um, so thanks to everybody who took part. Yes, we hope we you really had fun following it. along. We're going to do a different bracket next year, but um, I had a good time with that. I hope you did, Michelle. Oh, thank you. I did too. Um, I, I think it's like with the trivia. I think I put in some things that weren't as common. And so maybe, it, well, I know the next bracket actually won't have that issue. But. <laughs> <laughs> we're learning. I know. We're growing. We're growing. We're really yeah, we're di- Euro Disney bumps here. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but no, I thought it was still great. I love that we had some songs in there that you haven't either heard in a long time right. or may have never heard before. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, but when it came down to it, Walt's favorite song yes. won. Yes. Walt's great? favorite song won. That I know. That's, I was, I was going to say something similar to that. That You know, I was glad to see what one was, you know, something very classic, like you said, and, you know, Walt's favorite. So yeah. very cool. So Thank you again, cool. everybody. So, yes. Thanks, everybody. And again, congratulations, Ryan A. We will be in touch with you about nice. your prize pack. Now, let's get to the Disney stories of the week. I have a few for you this week, and we're going to start with there are many more returns coming including some to the Walt Disney World Resort, one that's very, very big. And it's a nearly 50-year-old guest favorite show mm-hmm. coming back, one that people have been waiting for for a <laughs> long time now. This from the Disney Parks blog. They say, get ready to clap your hands, stomp your feet, and sing along mm-hmm. as the beloved musical dinner show, the Hoop-dee-doo <laughs> musical <laughs> review, returns this summer to the Walt Disney World Resort. Yeah, that's awesome news. I remember when we actually were planning to participate in that uh, it, it, we for June of 2020. Yes. <laughs> we had plans for that. And, yes. well, eh, something happened. Right. We go by the wayside. You've been before, right? Yes, I have I not have. been yet. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I am looking forward to experiencing this again once it comes back. Yeah. Uh, so the story goes on to say the Pioneer Hall players and cast members will be welcoming uh, back guests to this front st- frontier-style family fun dining experience in Pioneer Hall at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort. Boy, I'm having trouble. <laughs> 
Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground, first debuting in 1974, Hoopty Doo will once again offer guests a rousing Wild West performance, singing zany comedy with uh, lots of laughs and an unforgettable countryfied feast full of fried chicken. Oh, the fried chicken there. I love the fried chicken there. <laughs> Smoked barbecue ribs, a variety of savory sides, and of course, strawberry shortcake. Yum. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Hoopty Doo will return with a few updates to its script and scenery while staying true to the treasured experience the whole family can enjoy with the hilarious, hilarious? I know. I was gonna say, what's that word? <laughs> I mean, apparently, I'm going countrified with this. It's hilarious. With the hilarious, high spirited. Maybe that was because I was high spirited right afterwards. With the hilarious, well, I did it again. With the hilarious, high spirited entertainment that it's been known for all these years. That's hilarious. That's hilarious, honey. <laughs> oh, I'm going to use that throughout this day. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're hankering for a seat at the table, reservations will be available via DisneyWorld.com starting on May 26th. That's Michelle's birthday if you're looking for a gift for her. Uh, for showtimes beginning on June 23rd. So, that's great news. Very yes. exciting. I'm sure they had to make some change. Is uh, due to you know. I mean, there are look. COVID. As much as we're want to want to pretend out there that COVID isn't really around anymore, it still is right. out there, and we still need to be a bit concerned about it. So they probably had to make some changes with right. this show. But I'm very excited to see it come back. Uh, it's so it's a classic. Let's exactly. face it. It is as classic as you come from Walt Disney World. Right. You know, and one of the things we want to remind people that even if you're vegetarian or vegan. Um, they will have options um, just like they did in the past. Yeah, so of course, of course. Don't feel like you can't go because of the food. Yeah, um, just a, a good time. I've been to, I haven't been to the Hoop Dee Doo review, mm -hmm. uh, but I've been to other dinner music shows that are very similar to it, kind of taken off of the, the right. same style. And I've always enjoyed the heck out of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to uh, finally getting back and doing the hoop dee doo yeah. uh, once it uh, comes yeah. back here in June. So very cool. Very so, cool. Uh, staying at the Walt Disney World Resort, we now know the dates of the Epcot favorite festival that's mm -hmm. focused on the yummy food and tasty yeah. beverages. Again, we go back to the Disney Parks blog. They say, get your appetite ready to sip, savor, and stroll because the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival presented by Corksicle returns on uh, to Walt Disney World Resort on July 14th through November nice. 19th. So again, it's going to yeah. be a long a run longer, for the yeah. Food and Wine Festival this cool. year. They say our teams of Disney chefs, mixologists, and sommeliers have been testing, tasting, and collaborating to create a smorgasbord of culinary delights. Prepare your taste buds to go on a Europe, uh, European, I'm stuck in Euro Disney, <laughs> an Epicurean journey and discover new concepts and menu items at more than 25 global marketplaces located throughout Epcot. Returning favorites include the swanky saucy swine. I know that's a big favorite out there. Yes. Uh, Appleseed Orchard, Hops and Barley, Earth Eats, hosted by Impossible, and Shimmering sips hosted by corksicle uh some global marketplaces will open a few weeks later as well to keep the 129 day event spicy which I, we found last year was cool mm -hmm. was that you went out there early on and there were these various marketplaces open right and then later on some of the marketplaces would shift their menus right. and others would open brand new places exactly. that you were you so when you went back later on in the year you could experience some brand new things. I mm. think that's cool. Oh, it is. It's awesome. Glad yes. they do that. Mm -hmm. uh, the Eat to the Beat concert series presented by Florida Blue Medicare uh, returns this year with internationally recognized artists as well as local bands offering fun tunes on the American Gardens Theater stage. They'll be giving you more information about what actually
Max will be appearing mm-hmm. later, and you'll want to be a part of that because they always have some very interesting and cool right. bands that show up there. Uh, but that's not all. Beyond the Sips and Bites, a full menu of fun offers more ways for everyone in the family to enjoy the festival. Embark on a Ratatouille-inspired adventure nice. that's très magnifique <laughs> with uh, Remy's Ratatouille Hide and Squeak. Kids of all ages can search for Remy on a savory scavenger hunt around Epcot. Simply purchase your map and stickers from festival, a select festival merchandise uh, locations. You can also try delicious cheeses served in fun ways as part of Emile's Fromage Montage. Uh, collect stamps in the festival passport after eligible purchases at uh, global marketplaces. And of course, as always with every festival, lots of merchandise, yes. home decor, all sorts of stuff, <laughs> trading pins, all sorts of stuff available for you. But love the Food and Wine Festival yes. and uh, looking forward to experiencing that uh, not too far from I just a know, few months away. I know, that's exciting. Yes, yeah, for sure. Getting some summer love. Now to the story that uh, when I was first reading it, it choked me up and I'm going to hopefully get through this. I've had <laughs> trouble already reading, but this one might choke me up because I think this is really, really cool. Uh, get ready to get up and close and personal again with your favorite Disney mm-hmm. characters. Once again, to the Disney Parks blog, they said on Thursday, we're thrilled to tell you about another quintessential Disney entertainment experience that is on its way back as early as April 18th. So just a couple weeks yeah. away, we will start reintroducing traditional character greetings at Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resorts, as well as aboard Disney Cruise Line. That's right. Uh, very soon, you'll once again be able to hug Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to get me. You're hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Hilarious. You're hilarious. Um, the hug. Oh, I'm going to hug every character when it comes back. Yeah. With their approval, right. by the way. But, oh my gosh. Um, get an autograph from Milan and share a laugh with Goofy. We know many of you have missed these special moments and your Disney character friends have missed you too. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during the past two years, we've taken a very gradual, intentional approach to health and safety protocols. Recent trends and guidance have provided opportunities for us to bring back some of your our most beloved magic, like like character greetings and dining experiences. While not all locations will be available immediately, we anticipate reopening in phases throughout the spring and early summer. Mm-hmm. So um, just really excited for that. Um, it's going to be so amazing to be able to, I mean, we've the, the character interactions, they've done their best they right. could over the last couple of years, uh, trying to get the characters experiences yes. uh, there for you. But the fact that we're going to be able to be there up close, Throw our arms around Mickey or Minnie, you know, get that up close picture um, is just so very exciting to me. I know it's very exciting to you as well. Oh, definitely. You know, and I think about how like for kids, you know, little kids, especially who, you know, have always thought about just running up and hugging the characters that, you know, it must have been, you know, at some point challenge or disappointment to, you know, be held back from that. Yeah. Um, without really getting a clear understanding of what's going on. So this is sweet, sweet that it's coming. They're coming back to us. Yes. Um, that's a big breakthrough on, on things yeah. coming back. I mean, we talked about the Hoop-de-Doo review mm-hmm. coming back, um, but this um, is big for me. Yeah. I'm so very excited to get back to the parks and be out there with all the characters. Yeah. yeah. I see an autograph book in your future. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Um, finally, one le- just really quick story here. Uh, Lucasfilm announced this week that its highly anticipated series Obi-Wan Kenobi's release date will be delayed, but it's only by a couple days, right. which is nice. Uh, it will now drop on May uh, Friday, May 27th instead of May 25th. And the good news is that they will be releasing the 
first two episodes mm-hmm. on that day. So yes, we're going to be delayed by a couple days over what was originally announced. Right. But two episodes on the first time. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very looking forward Great to that. Great Friday night adventure. Yeah. So that's it for the Disney stories of the week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle. One, because she has the best list. She does the best research. She's awesome, amazing, gorgeous, all things good in the world. But she definitely has the very best tip. So let's get to it. Here's Michelle's tip of the week. You're too sweet, honey. So my tip is um, that if you are thinking of a special way to have a gender reveal party or a celebration. Don't do it. (laughs) Without starting a fire in a state. (laughs) Injuring anybody. Yes, yes. Um, You could actually do that at Disney at Disney parks. And obviously, um, if you are so inclined to, and you want to spend money, there's lots of ways to spend money. But you know, if your budget is more one that you just want to have something special to have a, a mem- remembering of remembering of now I'm talking like you, that's hilarious. It's hilarious <laughs> how I can talk. Um, but anyways, if you want to have a special way to celebrate it, um, with your family or your friends, there, you know, there are ways to do it that aren't as necessarily as costly, you know, and some, you know, some things that you may or may not have thought about is, you know, one way is to, um, get those Mickey ears and have it in, you know, uh, embroidered on the back, you know, whether it's a boy or it's a girl and, you know, um, obviously balloons can be considered, but you could also use characters. You could, you know, whether you want to use Mickey or Minnie in a box or a prince or princess or a lightsaber. And that would be a very cool reveal as well. So what does the lightsaber light up? Is it pink or is it right? Right. Pink lightsaber trying to figure out. I mean, the kind of, Mace Windu's is kind of purplish, but yeah. uh, I don't think they have a pink. Well, when I researched this, it did say, it did imply that if you were to make your own lightsaber um, in Batu, that you could find colors that would be appropriate a, a for reveals. kyber crystal. Interesting. Very cool. So. Or is it just, you know, it's a little Jedi or a little Sith Lord, yeah. either red or <laughs> blue or green, you know. <laughs> Yes, I think what, we're what digressing. Think? Is it a middle child or is it going to be the, you know, the first child? You know? Right, yeah. right. So, but anyways, um, you know, you don't have to break the bank on it, but you could still have such a great time um, if you have purchased photo pass or whatever and you want to involve that uh, you know one of the photographers to capture that moment as well that's another way to keep it very special um, but yeah just don't don't light up anything <laughs> oh, don't injure anybody don't start don't no explosives please right, right. Um, you, know, the, the, you know gender reveals are fine but we've got no at hand with them right. let's do them simple like at Disney parks yeah. right yes exactly like I said you could contact Disney and you know just like you could have the most elaborate wedding or wh- whatever family and celebration if you have the money and you want to do that I'm sure that there's a lot that they will do they, they do have their limits of yeah. what they won't do but um but like I said, you could still have a really memorable, special moment of a gender reveal party at a Disney park. And whatever you plan to do, maybe you might want to, especially if it's a little fringy, contact Disney and ask, is this okay if we do this? 
<laughs> first, right, first. right. Just we, you don't sure. want to disrupt other guests and their experience on the day of, and, right. and you know, give trouble to cast members as exactly. well. They have enough troubles to deal with right. going on out there. So, good Maybe stuff. Keep it simple and fun. That's I agree. I agree with that. So, just as all your days at Disney should be yeah. simple and fun. Right. Right. So, good job, Michelle. Michelle's wow, tip. Thank you. Always the best tip. Uh, my tip is a really simple one this week. We already talked about it. Up close character interactions coming back beginning on April 18th. Take advantage of it. <laughs> hug them all. Ask their permission first, but hug them all. Get your autographs. Get those pictures. Have conversations with them, especially like some of the face characters, the Marvel characters. Mm -hmm. They have some of the best interactions True. you're going to get out there. We've missed them so much. Just make a day of it. Yeah. If, you, if you're a regular goer to the parks, make a day where you're just going to meet every character you can because this is now become super special because it's been taken away right. from us yes. for so long. Take advantage of the fact that they're coming back and, and use every chance you get uh, to meet these characters right. and have those wonderful interactions we've been so missing. Very good point, honey. Thank you, sweetheart. Good tip. So uh, that's it for this week. Next week, well, it's a big milestone week for us, actually. Really? This will be our <laughs> 200th official episode coming up this next week. Now, I know if you go look at it, it looks like we have more than 200 episodes, but some of those were like bonus episodes, which we don't count as our right, official they episodes. Our weekly ones, yeah. Right. Um, so this is going to be actually our official 200th episode. So to celebrate that, we thought it'd be a good day to bring back a show that we've done annually for the last couple of years and that you've told us you've loved as well. So, yep, it's going to be our third annual Ask Us Anything oh, show, Michelle's favorite <laughs> show. I know. I don't know why I get worried. We, our listeners are wonderful. Right. So, you know, what do you want to know? It could be Disney related. It could be something personal. Mm -hmm. It could just be something fun. Whatever you want, send us your questions. You can do it through the Gmail. You can do it mm -hmm. through social media. We're going to put it out there through the newsletter. We're going to put it out there on social media later in the week. We want your questions and we'll answer them on the show within a reason. We, we will try to answer most everything. Don't get too carried away. Keep it positive. Right. You know, there may be a couple of things that we do have to keep to ourselves, but we're going to try and make that very, very small. We're going to try and answer everything the best way we can. Exactly. And that's always not a lot of inappropriate fun. questions. Not inappropriate. Please, please. <laughs> it's a family show. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we will have, do as much as we can to have some fun with that on the show. And I know we, our, our listeners in the past have come up with creative, yes. interesting, fun questions. And I'm sure this year will be no different. Exactly. So. Uh, we, as for today, we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there... You can be signing up. Boy, now I'm really talking That's about hilarious. That's hilarious. You could sign up for our newsletter. Yes. <laughs> I should just keep the sentence... Easy. The right? newsletter is also <laughs> hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's just another way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. And we'll have some special stuff that's going out yeah. to you this week um, through the newsletter that you'll get to see either just you'll be the only one to get to see it or you'll get to see it first. Uh, another great way to be involved with us is on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun at our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Yeah, I love how it's growing. So 
please continue that trend. It's a great group. Yeah, and please keep interacting with us there. We love seeing all your stuff mm-hmm. that you all po- post on there. Uh, also, we're on YouTube. If you want to find us there, just do a quick search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe, and you'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And one of the things we ask of you, too, is if you could tell a family member or a friend about our podcast, we truly appreciate it. Yeah, we um, got reached out. Actually, um, Frank Cardillo of the uh, Dillo's Diz just uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago uh, told uh, a friend of theirs about our show. They're having a Disneyland uh, trip nice. planned, and they said you should hit us up for any questions you had about Disneyland. So I responded to that person through cool. Instagram, gave him some ideas, and nice. uh, uh, thank you, Frank Cardillo. Yeah. Go check out Dillo's Appreciate Diz, uh, Three yeah. Park Thursday with Dillo's Diz, and uh, you could do that too. That'd be great. It's a yeah. great way to get, let people know about the show. Yes, definitely. So we appreciate it. So that's it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week. Bye.